0: You know, as a pastor, it's always strange when people say to you things like, I really enjoyed your sermon, Pastor. I'm going It was about sin and judgment. How could you enjoy it? It's about getting your act together. How how could you like that? Is there something wrong with you? Do you understand how difficult it is to follow Jesus? What's the title of my sermon tonight? <laughs> now, is there a title? Ti- what's the, t- the title up there? Did you? The title was something. Reading your own fine print. I think that was it, right? Yeah. Okay. The title of my sermon is "Reading Your Own Fine Print." unlike the people that I'm going to talk to you about at the moment. This is a headline I saw today uh, on the internet. Car wash by strippers cost police officer his job. September 23rd, 2010. A South Carolina police officer has lost his job after pictures of bikini clad strippers washing his police cruiser showed up on Facebook. Monk's Corner Oh, Police Chief Chad Caldwell would not identify the officer. The pictures were taken at a car wash Sunday at a tattoo studio. The studio's Facebook page said the women worked at a North Charleston nightclub. Caldwell said he thinks the officer took his personal car to the car wash and then returned with his patrol car. The chief said allowing bikini-clad women to be photographed next to a cruiser is a violation of department policies. He said it looks bad for the town. That's got to be one of those fine print things in the police department policies. You know, like, you are not allowed to have your police car washed by strippers. In bikinis... Or other stages of undress. I mean, I'm sure that the print was really, really small in a contract that he signed, no less. All right. Um, there's all sorts of hidden things. Sometimes the hidden parts are benefits, like uh, this is an article from the Wall Street Journal The Hidden Benefits of Exercise. Even moderate physical activity can boost the immune system and protect against chronic disease. So not only do you get the obvious benefits of exercise, which are, you know, stronger, Uh, body healthier, lungs and heart, all those kinds of things. But obviously you can boost your immune system and actually protect yourself against chronic disease. Like they were saying in the article later on, that if you're in shape, it really helps you uh, when you get a flu shot. It actually makes the flu shot more effective. I won't read you the whole article. Um, Here's one that... um, a lot of you will like this is called eat in for the earth the hidden costs of takeout meals and it goes uh, like this two large grease stained paper bags one small foil lined bag two paper wrappers four plastic sauce cups with lids three cups one plastic two wax lined paper a handful of crumpled paper napkins and a receipt that's what was left After two cheeseburgers, I'm sure you've had this experience, too, of surveying the carnage after a takeout restaurant meal. Eating out is quick, delicious and expensive both in money and in the impact on the world around us. All the paper and plastic came from the earth, after all, and is probably going to sit in landfills for decades before returning to the soil. So this lady goes on in her article talking about the hidden costs of eating out which have a negative impact on our environment. I guess he was talking about the uh, disposable chopsticks you get with a takeout Asian meal uh, come from, you know, uh, the hardwoods of uh, Aspen forests. They're not like disposable bamboo kind of forest kind of things. So that goes on, and I'm thinking, well, you know, when I go out to eat or get takeout, I don't usually consider those hidden costs. I don't know if you do. Um, here's one that I'm sure our brother in the faith never considered. September 17, 2010, the Associated Press, Gainesville, Florida. The city puts the cost of Quran burning security at $200,000 and sends bill to the church. Authorities say security for last week's canceled Quran burning at the Central Florida church cost around $200,000. City officials say they expect the church to pay. Police Major Rick Hanna said more than 200 officers were on duty last weekend patrolling the church, the University of Florida football game, and other quote-unquote soft targets like the mall. Another 160 sheriff's deputies were also working because of the planned protest at the Dove World Outreach Center. Gainesville City Manager Russ Blackburn said he doesn't know if the city has legal authority to compel the church to pay. Pastor Terry Jones canceled the event after international pressure. <laughs> when God tells you to do something like burn the Quran, or if you think you hear God, Tell you to do something like burn the Quran. Maybe you should also read your own fine print. Like it may cost the church $200,000 to pay the city back. last I heard, the church is supposed to be a blessing to the community and to the world. And now we're costing them money. Anyway, I, I, I want to talk about this concept of... Uh, of hidden costs, of fine print, in a life uh, that we have with Jesus. I think very often we as Christians go through our Christian life, especially reading the Bible, we read like the big, giant, bold print, you know, like Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. You know, like that's the big, bold print they put as the chapter heading in the uh, New Living Translation. But there's fine print that maybe we need to consider. So uh, if you got a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to finish off Mark chapter 10. And yes, Jesus does heal blind Bartimaeus. This is the last recorded miracle that Jesus does of healing in the gospel of Mark before he goes to the cross. Other Gospels record other ones, but this is the last one. From now on, Mark's going to concentrate on the road to the cross. Jesus being arrested and tortured and then crucified. So, if you have a Bible and you've opened to Mark chapter 10, go to verse 46. They reached, then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Now, I'm going to stop here because sometimes it's good to read between the lines when it comes to the Bible. I mean, think about what you've read, meditate on the sentence. This is one sentence. They reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Now, Why do you think a large crowd will follow Jesus out of Jericho? Well, my guess is because Jesus did some pretty amazing things inside Jericho. But we're not told what they are. Mark never tells us. He just says, he went there, they left. Big crowd following Jesus out of Jericho. I'm going, oh man, who knows what he did? Healings. Healings. Demon exorcisms, miracles, who knows what he did? We don't know. The Apostle John says that if you wrote down everything that Jesus did, it probably would take up more room than all the known libraries in all the world could hold. Now granted, there weren't as many libraries back then as there are now. And Jesus, in his 30-some years on the planet... Had a finite number of hours just like we do. But let's just notice that Jesus did a lot more than is recorded in the Gospels. The Gospels are written for a particular audience to show Jesus that he was the, the Savior of the world. And they're not, they're, they're, they're doing editing along the way, they're cutting things out. And this is one of the things that cut out everything he did in Jericho, we don't know. Just wanted to bring that up. But on the way out of Jericho, we're going to know what happened. Because this is important. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, that means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David! Have mercy on me. This is like the son of story, right? The son of Timaeus meets the son of David. It's like a sequel. First there was the Blob movie. For all of you sci-fi fans who like cheesy old 1970s sci-fi flicks, there was the Blob. And then there was the Son of the Blob, the sequel. I wonder, what's going on here? First there was King David, right? And now we have Son of King David. It's like the return of the king, right? That's a sequel too, right? From the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So the son of Timaeus meets the son of of David I just think it's interesting it really doesn't mean much except all of us you know are the son or daughter of somebody right I wonder who Bartimaeus father was who was this Timaeus character why is he worth mentioning we don't know you know have fun daydreaming about who Timaeus was to be mentioned, but let's go on. Bartimaeus was a beggar. Back then, that was all he probably could have done. It's not that way with blind folks today. We know that they have all sorts of skills. They can do all sorts of things. But back then, it wasn't so easy for them. Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus was confined to begging along the side of the road. Kind of a sad state of affairs. And he calls out what many of us call the Jesus prayer. Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Don't let me suffer what I deserve to suffer. Take this judgment away from me. You guys ever prayed that prayer? Because I have over and over and over again. When I was a new Christian, I thought this is a stupid prayer. I thought, Mercy, we have grace. Who needs mercy? We have grace. We have we've been given unmerited favor. We've been given Blessings and benefits that we don't even deserve. Who needs mercy? I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am forgiven of all my sins because of what Jesus did. Who needs mercy? Just live a little longer, Mike. I have messed up more as a Christian than I ever did. Before I was a Christian, because I became a Christian at 19, 18 years old, right? I mean, how much damage can you do, really? Really? before you're 18 you can barely drive but in the years since I mean I I just have seen myself in need of God's mercy which is you know don't make me pay for the stupid crap that I've done have mercy on me God have mercy on me over and over again and then the crowd says pick it up at verse 48 be quiet Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. So the son of Timaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus, the son of David. He's a persistent little guy, this Bartimaeus character. I kind of like him. And again, Jesus' followers are a bigger hindrance than a help. Just like today, we can be sometimes... I mean, do you ever... You're a scum of the earth church, right? My guess is that some of you are here because you've been told by people in more respectable churches be quiet. Shut up. Don't get so worked up. Rain it up. Dress up, man. Clean up. Hurry up! Listen up! Can't you put? I don't know if we're going to put up with you. Line up! Everything's up. Up's an adverb here, right? Feel like Jerry Seinfeld? Sometimes people say this to us all the time in, in the church around us. Let's not ever do this. To anybody else. I mean, if your worst enemy walked into scum of the earth, I hope that you would not treat her or him this way. But if I were to go on and make this the up passage, it changes, right? Wait. He's calling you up. So cheer up. Jump up. Get pumped up. Come on up. Things are looking up. Now, this has absolutely no exegetical bearing on the text at all. Uh, it doesn't, I just had a fun time thinking about this passage with the word up. Consider it some kind of perverted form of meditation. How to make your Bible passage humorous. <laughs> I mean, at least maybe it will be memorable. But that's the kind of church I would like to be. He's calling you up. Cheer up. Jump up. Get pumped up. Come on up. Things are looking up for you. You're not an F up. You're a scum of the earth. So Bartimaeus... Throws aside his cloak, right? Now, maybe he threw it aside so that he would be unencumbered running to Jesus. I mean, it's tough enough, I think, if you're blind, to break into a run when Jesus calls you. Probably tougher if you've got this cloak around you. But maybe, um, maybe the cloak was used because it's kind of warm there. I don't know how much of a cloak you need, except maybe if you're, if you're, you're begging, you, you, you spread it out on the ground in front of you. So people can throw their change into it, right? And it says that um, he threw aside his cloak and uh, jumped up to Jesus. Okay, does anybody sense anything symbolic going on here? (laughs) Because I do. that sometimes when Jesus calls us up, maybe we've got to leave some things aside. Maybe it might be money. It certainly was for the rich young ruler that we talked about just a little bit ago, right? But other things that may hinder us from walking up to him, we need to like throw aside whatever those things might be that might trip us up. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Now this is an odd question. Is it not obvious to Jesus that the man is blind? Undoubtedly, somebody had to lead him to Jesus unless Jesus kept calling out and Barnabas just followed the sound. Jesus had been very, very perceptive in almost every encounter we've seen with him in the Gospel of Mark. And now all of a sudden, he's asking this dude, what do you want me to do for you? Now, why do you think Jesus would have asked such an obvious question? What do you think? I'm going to do something I don't normally do here. Give me some answers. Why do you think? Go ahead, John. Because he wants us to ask. He wanted Bartimaeus to be a part of this conversation. He wanted him to participate in this thing, not just stand there like a lump on a log. Right? I agree. Any other reasons? Why he might have... Yeah, go ahead. Maybe he was checking to see if what? All right. So Jesus doesn't make any assumptions, is what you're saying. Jesus may just be asking an honest question. Maybe your blindness isn't your biggest problem right now. Which which I think is a great reason to ask that question. I don't know if you guys, where's David Glasspool, where are you? Where are you? Great. Can I talk? Tell people what you've told me in the past. <laughs> about that stash you keep at the seminary. That no, I'm. I'm <laughs> no, no. About how people assume when you go back for a prayer, that's what you want prayer for. Okay. So, so David obviously is a blind brother, it annoys him. I know this from talking to him on a few occasions. It annoys him when he goes back for prayer and people automatically assume that's what he wants to get prayed for. Just saying. It may be a good idea to ask. Any other ideas why Jesus might ask this question? Yeah, go ahead. all right so so checking to see whether or not Bartimaeus may have a more spiritual need that would supersede the physical need yeah i would agree i would agree i think also oh you got you got jeremy go ahead I agree. Jeremy said basically this. Maybe he saw some faith beginning in Bartimaeus and wanted to fan that little spark of faith into full flame. Okay, let's, let's get it out on the table. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, let's put it out there. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, my rabbi, my rabbi, I want to see. There's a degree of ownership there on the son of Timaeus' part where, where he is submitting himself to Jesus. My rabbi. My rabbi. Not just any rabbi, but my rabbi. My teacher. My spiritual authority. I want to submit to whatever, whatever it is you want to do with me, but, but, but I want to see. I'm putting myself under you. It's it's a really telling line. My rabbi. He's already identified Jesus as the Messiah. He said, Son of David, right? Son of David means basically the one who's to come. The foretold king. The one who's going to put everything to rights. The one that Isaiah talked about. And then he says, my rabbi, there's a There's a lordship issue here. It's like, it's not just he's any old good teacher. He's my good teacher. I want to see. He wants to see. I don't think we'll know until we get to heaven whether or not the son of Timaeus was speaking just physically or whether he was speaking spiritually as well. I want to see. I know that back in New Testament times, they wouldn't have made that distinction between physical healing and spiritual healing like we do now. Be more of a holistic kind of approach to Jesus doing something in one's life. What do you want me to do for you? That reminds me of a question just from earlier in the chapter. Fran Blomberg talked about that question. There were two brothers who came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, do for us whatever we ask you. (laughs) And Jesus qualifying their, uh, their request says, what would you like me to do for you? And their answer was interesting. Their answer was, um, one of us should sit on your left and one of us should sit on your right when we come into your glorious kingdom. Remember that question? Exposed to heart, didn't it? That question. What do you want me to do for you? Exposed to heart. So, so Jesus asked the question to expose his heart as well as everything else you guys said. And the son of Timaeus comes up with that answer. I want to see this is a life-changer this is a life-changer if this guy gets to see everything is different from this point on if Jesus grants his request his life is no longer the same if Jesus grants his request there may be some fine print that he can now see and read Are you tracking with me? Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So the son of Timaeus had some faith, it looks like, right? You know, when I first read this thing as a young Christian, I imagined that somewhere deep in the soul of the son of Timaeus, there was this large reservoir of untapped faith. That Jesus could come and access. And that's why he got healed. Because Barnabas, by God, you know, you're not much look at it on the outside, but you got it on the inside, buddy. And your faith has healed you. And then I went to church. Then I went to certain churches where they would say, if you only believe, if you only have faith, then Jesus can do this, this thing. This and this for you. He can heal you. He can clean you up. He can make your life great. La, da, da, da. And if you don't have that reservoir of faith, then you know what? Then Jesus can't do that. Because you don't have it. And so I'm wondering, okay, what do I going to do to fill up this reservoir of faith? I want to have the biggest lake of faith inside my soul that I possibly can. And you know, you got to watch out. Because, you know, things will drain your lake if you sin, if you think bad thoughts, if you show up in the wrong places around town, then maybe like your faith is draining out, leaving puddles everywhere in this club and that club and in that relationship and this relationship. And then you finally get to the meeting and you're looking for God to heal you. But you know, Jesus looks at the reservoir of your faith and, sorry, not big enough. Of course, if you want, you can spread the guilt around, you know. Because maybe it's the people who are praying for you who don't have the reservoir of faith. Maybe, maybe it's their fault. Because they're not faithful enough. So you'd be healed if only the people praying for you weren't so sucky at the spiritual life. This kind of thinking is from the devil. I want us to be really clear. This kind of thinking is wrong. It's not scriptural. It's works-based salvation. You want to term it, seminary term it. It's like I can work my way into God's blessings if I only do enough stuff right. The son of Timaeus had faith in a person. His faith was not this big reservoir of, you know, something in his ectoplasm. It wasn't this big reservoir of ectoplasm in his soul. It was that he had faith in Jesus. Who has an infinite reservoir of faith. His faith was in a person. He had faith that Jesus could change his life. All of it. That, my friends, is proper theology. It's grace. It's mercy from God. It's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing you could do to try and make yourself worthy of it. C.S. Lewis said that the human race was not worth dying for. Which is why Jesus died for the human race. To make us worthy of it. Understand? So his faith in Jesus, his faith in the Son of David is what healed him. And so he would follow. He would follow Jesus. Jesus. He would walk. He would see. He would not beg. He would work. He would learn. He would laugh. He would cry. And this is interesting. Where is Jesus going from here? Jesus says, come follow me, right? Where is He going? The cross. You know, when Jesus calls us to follow Him, He calls us to come and die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. It's, it's not like we're going to get to go on this joyride. Now, there'll be good, some good times here and there, but you know what? Ultimately, it's about following Jesus and imitating Him as He sacrifices His life for others. And Bartimaeus gets to follow Jesus. Where? To Jerusalem. What's going to happen in Jerusalem? Arrest. Torture. Crucifixion. Bartimaeus had a choice to make. He didn't have to follow Jesus. He was healed for crying out loud. He could go out and do anything. Maybe now he could do things he never could do before. Sometimes, you know, Jesus heals us, and it's a ticket to go do your own thing. Because now you're healed. Now you can go off. It's a dangerous thing to be healed. Read the fine print. The interesting thing is, is in the chapters coming up, we're going to see who's really blind. The son of Timaeus is not blind spiritually. The big question here for me, now I'm going to try and make it personal now. Is Jesus asking, what do you want me to do for you? That's the main question. What's the fine print? Do you want to give up begging? You want to stop begging? Want to work for a living? Instead of begging? Begging? Do you want to stop being a victim? Do you want to stop enjoying the benefits of victimhood? Do you want to take responsibility for your life? Do you want your life to change, really? Really? Do you want your life to change? Because if you come to Jesus and you ask Him to heal you, your life's gonna change. But what's the fine print? Of the very thing that you yourself are asking. M.T. Wright said this, We all have something, not necessarily a physical ailment, that we know is getting in the way of our being the people that God wants us to be and made us to be. I'm going to repeat that. We all have something, not necessarily a physical ailment, that we know is getting in the way of our being the people that God wants us to be and made us to be. When Jesus calls you up, will you get up? Will you throw everything aside and come on up to Him? Will you? And when he asks you what you want, will you go for it? Or will you look back at the small and selfish comforts of victimhood? And once you get what you want, will you follow Jesus? Or go off and do your own thing? Will you follow him wherever he leads you? Even if it means giving up your own life for the kingdom of God. You see what I'm talking about with the fine print? The hidden costs? The hidden benefits? This passage troubled me this week. Because I felt Jesus asking me the question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, I've said, Lord, have mercy plenty of times, plenty of times in regard to my ever deteriorating health. Now, if you've been around scum for 10 years, then you know that I am a, there's more of me to love now than there was 10 years ago, which means it's a bigger strain on my heart, a bigger strain on my joints and everything else. And it's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do, is to be obedient to Jesus in this whole physical fitness thing, especially knowing that once I had been a specimen of great physical health. And just yesterday, I helped with the memorial service for Katie Daniels' father. here are the frightening things that I learned. Katie's father was born the same year that I was. We grew up in the same town. We attended the same University of Toledo. We graduated the same year. We both moved out to Colorado. If you were to see Katie's dad and see me you would say that he was in better shape than me he's more active weighed less which brings to mind all the times I have said to the Lord in my private prayer times Lord have mercy Lord have mercy on me Because Katie's dad had a heart attack almost a year ago, around a year ago. Had been living with an artificial heart for the past year. Thank God he had one more year. A heart transplant opportunity came up. He went in, got the new heart. Things were looking great And then they took a change for the worse. And He died shortly thereafter. And I'm reading this passage. And I realize that I'm just like the son of Timaeus. And I'm saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And then Jesus is asking me through the passage. I mean, God speaks to us through the Scriptures, people. I wasn't looking for a word from God. I was just trying to do a sermon. (laughs) Professional Christians, don't try this at home, kids. (laughs) But as you delve into the Scriptures and you place yourself in the passage, you hear God talking to yourself and He says... Mike, what do you want me to do for you? And even though I don't want to say it out loud, I hear inside, I hear myself say, Lord, I want to get in great physical shape. But am I reading my own fine print? Because that means changing everything. That means throwing aside everything that encumbers me in my run to Jesus. That means forsaking my old lifestyle. You guys know how much I love to sit with you around a table and eat Greek food. What are the joys of my life? It might mean sitting there and just eating Greek salad, if nothing else. It might mean doing that even less. It might mean not going to food for comfort when I'm feeling really depressed or when I want to celebrate. It works for me both ways. <laughs> Do I want my life to change really? Do I? What do you want, Mike? Do you really want to be healed? And then, let's say Jesus and I reach an agreement and I say, Lord, I want to get in great shape. And He gives me all the power that I need to get in shape. And then I get in great shape. How do I feel when I look in the mirror? Am I prideful? Fran was joking this morning with me after the morning church. Saying, hey, you know, if you wanted to, you got in great shape, you were attractive to women again, who knows what you might be tempted to do apart from your wife. You could go your own way, Mike, just like you were saying the son of Timaeus could have gone his way. You could take God's healing and go and do whatever you wanted to do. The fine print it just is so dense. Do I really want to be healed? I think my weight issue is a stupid example. I honestly do. I, I'm ashamed that this is where I'm at. Because there could be so many more important areas perhaps, but it doesn't matter. I'm being truthful with you, I'm being honest, how the Word of God affects me, how Jesus speaks to me through the scripture. My question is, how is the scripture here today speaking to you? When Jesus comes to you and say, What would you like me to do for you? Are you considering the fine print? of what it is that's in your mind that you want to ask Him to do for you? My rabbi. There's submission there. Submission to what He wants. My rabbi. My Jesus. My Lord. My Savior. I will submit to you. In some ways, I think submitting to Jesus means submitting to His people. (laughs) I know this is going from preaching to meddling now, but it might mean getting with somebody. A mentor of yours. Someone who represents Jesus in your life. Like maybe for me, let me apply this to me, maybe for me instead of thinking that I can do it on my own like I have for the past decade or more and it hasn't worked, maybe it means submitting myself to some godly authority my Jesus, work through that person. After the first service today, David Rapp, who's an avid bicyclist, came up to me and said, Mike, you should start riding a bike. I've resisted that notion for years. Successfully saying things like, all the people I know who ride bikes get in accidents. I don't want to do that. He goes, "Could you ride a mile around your block. That's more than you're doing now. I could hear, in my head, Bartim is saying, my rabbi, my teacher, will I submit myself to what I think God has called me to do through another person who may be Jesus' representative on the earth for me right at this moment? And I said, yes, David, I will do this. So I am now in the market for a bicycle. If I can get mine back from my son, that would be the cheapest. But since he's put so much money into it, I don't know if he will part with my bicycle now that he's paid for it more than I have. Look, it's time to seriously think about what our relationship with Jesus looks like. Read the fine print. Read the fine print of your own life before you tell Jesus what it is you want. Now, if there's something that's popped in your head you'd like to pray with someone about, there'll be folks back over here when I'm done that you can come and pray with. I would highly suggest that you submit yourself to God's will for your life by praying with somebody about it. Please pray with me now. Jesus, the more I get to know you, the more I love you and the less I like you. It's passages like these that make it so hard to follow You because You call me to a life of sacrifice just like You lived. And I know that there's resurrection on the other side of all that. I know that there's blessing beyond measure. I know that there's hidden fine print that is all the benefits that I'll receive from following You just like the Son of Timaeus followed You. But I want you to know now that I, I've read the fine print of my own life, and I totally want you to put me in the greatest physical shape that you want me to be in. Not so much for me, Lord, because if I died soon, it'd be a blessing. I would be with you in heaven, and it'd be awesome. But for Mary and for my children and for the church here, Lord, I pray that um, you would give me what I'm asking and help me to fulfill all the fine print of the contract that I signed with you tonight. Help us all to fulfill the fine print of the contracts we all will sign with you tonight. Amen.